This is the third and 30 podcast, a coach's podcast, where we believe opportunity is everything. My name is Coach Praveen Mantrapagata, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, Coach Jason Chadock. Another week, another opportunity here to be in front of the mic and have another wonderful guest on deck for all you listeners out there. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can listen to us anywhere on any platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, what have you. Favorite platform, you can find us on wherever you might be, however you might be listening, in your car, at home, if you're in Colorado. Honestly, if you're anywhere in the country, you're probably pretty cold, so maybe you're bundled up a little bit. Um, I know in San Diego, it gets to 50 degrees freezing out there, so... Make sure you bundle up, but we're really uh, blessed to have you guys listening to the show today and uh, really excited to be back here. Like I said, another opportunity. And, you know, before I hand it off to Coach Chaddock, I want to bring up something that I noticed with 3rd and 30. And we talk about 3rd and 30. Last show that we had was uh, Coach Scott Bullock from Rocky Mountain High School. He asked us how we came up with the name 3rd and 30. To make it short, it's when you have your back up against the wall and you feel like there's no way out of this challenge and you find a way out and there's an opportunity you still have and there's still that opportunity to to make something happen out of it and we saw that if anyone was watching football last weekend there's a big game unless you're a denver bronco or cleveland brown fan there was a big game uh the (laughs) dallas cowboys versus the philadelphia eagles a big divisional game huge game game of the week you know you got the big the big uh, commenters out there. You have Aaron Andrews on the sideline. You know, you know when Aaron Andrews is on the sideline, it's a big game. And you have a, a close game division rivals. Uh, Philadelphia is losing their starting quarterback. Go to Gardner Minshew. And you have Dallas Cowboys, which is just up and down every year, right? You just never know what you're going to get out of them. Dak Prescott coming back after being injured for a few weeks. And sure enough, in the middle of that game, in, in maybe the third or fourth quarter, the Dallas Cowboys are facing, you guessed it, third and 30. Literally. They're facing literally third down and 30. And I'm watching the game live. I didn't realize that it was third and 30 until after the play occurred. Well, sure enough, you have a couple things that happen here. Dak Prescott throws a 52-yard completion to T.Y. Hilton. And you're like, T.Y. Hilton plays for the Cowboys? Yeah, T.Y. Hilton used to be someone, probably had his back up against a wall, and now has another opportunity here with the Dallas Cowboys, and boom, Third and 30 makes, honestly, if that play doesn't happen, the Dallas Cowboys don't win that football game. That's that. And I know we're just talking about football here. And when we talk about third and 30 in terms of life, it's in a figurative sense. But this is, it was so cool to see that, you know, actually happen in in a real sense. You know, we heard from Coach PJ Fleck, the, the, the uh, honorary founder of the show. (laughs) And he, he showed us a play that happened third and 30. Here we are now, third and 30 right in a football game and 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 you saw it, it something happened whether you're a Dallas Cowboys fan or not they had can you believe that happened if you watch that no you can't and that's why no matter what the situation is there's good or bad there's always especially when it's bad there's always an opportunity to get out of it and that is what third and 30 is all about so love it i was really happy to see that coach Chaddock Again, good to see you. Happy to have you on the show as always. Looking forward to another good one. How are you? And tell me what your thoughts are on the, on the third and 30 thing that you you saw and, and heard about in the Dallas Cowboys game. Well, uh, I'll tell you, first thing is, you know, great to be back hitting the second show now of the re-arrival. Um, it was, <laughs> had a great Christmas, had a lot of fun there. Hope you guys did as well. Um, good, good family times, good times hanging out with friends. <clears throat> 
ate some really good food, ate too many sweets. And now I'll spend the next month trying to hit extra cardio to work all that fatness out of me. So that'll be my next month. Um, so good weekend. Uh, we also don't ask me why we did this. I'll tell you why actually we, because we bought the tickets two weeks, three weeks, no, four, four weeks prior. We went to the Browns game, the Brown, the Brown dog versus, pound, the Browns versus saints. We were in the dog pound and it was zero degrees outside Woo. Neg- negative wind chill. And we did it. We made it. We wore our snowboarding gear. We were Colorado dressed in Ohio. You didn't leave early. Gear. You didn't leave early. We did not leave early. We stayed the oh, whole time. I love it. Love it. Dedication. Mm-hmm. We, in fact, in fact, we, we, we stayed longer than the Browns did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Browns. I'm calling you out. We stayed longer <laughs> than the Browns did. Um, <laughs> we stayed till the end of the game. The Browns didn't. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, third and 30 is that's been a memorable thing for you and I now for a couple of years. And, um, it, it's, it's a never quit attitude. You, you freaking take it into your business world, take it into your schools. It's a never quit attitude. And that's what we have to get. We have to get really conscious of that is, is the leaders of this show of preaching that preaching that in sports to preaching that in life, preaching that in the, the sense of the work environment, because too many times people get their backs put up against the wall in the work environment or, um, the budget's going bad. We'll get freaking creative, rethink how you do things. Pandemic already taught us all to be creative and rethink how we do things. If you're not rethinking how you do things now in the business world, I can't help you. You got I problems. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, you got problems. If you haven't figured out a different way to do the things you used to do or improve what you used to do or come up with something completely different because it fits your business today. If you haven't done that, I can't help you. You 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 literally must have been living under a rock for the last two and a half years. <laughs> um, the pandemic has taught us so much, and and I'm actually uh, I don't want a lot of negative happen. You know, we we know there's a lot of sickness, a lot of deaths, a lot of things there um, created created a low morale and work environments because the unexpected. However, it also created a lot of leadership. It created a desire for people to help care about people again. And it created an ability for us to just become better leaders and to also educate people and to think outside the box. It challenged us to really think outside the box. And that's and that's where third and 30 is drawing me today is that thinking outside the box, the getting creative, <clears throat> the, oh my goodness, how are we going to get this done? We have to think of a completely different way to do it. Because you know something, you're not always going to Dak Prescott this thing and throw the ball 52 yards downfield for a catch. Sometimes it's going to be a 20-yard pickup or a 22. I think 22-yard pickup was what PJ Fleck told us about in the Minnesota in the Minnesota scenario. They got 22 yards and then it was fourth and eight, and then they converted a fourth and eight by getting like I think they picked up 12 yards on fourth and eight. That's a much more realistic way it's going to happen. It's not always going to be <laughs> Dak Prescott 52 yards down the field to T.Y. Hilton. Why is T.Y. Hilton in a Cowboys uniform? I thought he was in a Colts uniform like a week ago. Um, and I'm being sarcastic. I knew he wasn't with the Colts anymore. Um, that's what I'm talking about right now, though. And, th- and that leads me into you know the third and 30 concept. Um, now I want to go fast forward to where we are today uh, with, our, with our guest that's going to be on. I can't wait to get this guest on. It's a Special guest for us. It's an old friend and someone who special special for me. This person actually coached my kids up in the weight room as well. Back when they were four. I'm sorry, not four. <laughs> back when they were like 10 and 12. So <laughs> special time for me uh to to be able to catch up and and go through that. And also hear 
her perspective on what third and 30 means and what's it mean to have your back against the wall? How do you fight through this? And you know something, how do you overcome some of the stereotypes in sports? And how do you really make your impact? So I can't wait to hear what she has to say about that, because I'll tell you what, I hope you guys get to know her the way we do, because we know a very special coach, a leader, and someone who really cares about challenging people in a positive way and helping them to better themselves. So Coach P, with with that, man, before I before my excitement takes me to, through the roof right now, before <laughs> we even get started, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Happy to be here, man. Love working with your brother, and we're ready to kick off another one. I love it. And I love how you mentioned, you know, the different types of third and 30 opportunities that may occur. It's not always going to be like Jack, Jack Prescott. You might have to chip a little bit. And I, I love that so much. Our guest today is, like you said, it's a, she, she's a friend. Uh, she's a colleague, a uh, very special person to us. Uh, but she is, is an incredibly talented individual and incredibly hardworking and a very special individual. And we're very honored to have her on the show, um, regardless of her being a, a friend of ours. Which we both had the you know gracious opportunity to work with her um, at, at the high school level and, and see her in that frame and and um, always thought when she was working at the high school level that she was way too good to be doing this um, from the beginning. But Coach Lindsey Kirschman, who is the director of sports performance for the University of Utah women's basketball program, and she has uh, jumped around a little bit over the last couple of years and done some really incredible things. And we are just so excited to bring her on and pick her brain about so many different things and aspects about what she does and how she got there and what it takes uh, to be at be up at that level. Uh, but again, you know, Merry Christmas to all. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. If you're traveling, my goodness, please be safe out there and we wish you the best. And yeah, if you are traveling, take an hour or two and, and listen to some podcasts. Uh, we got lots of them out there that can get you through those layovers in those airports. So um, without further ado, we will now bring on Coach Lindsay, Kirsch, Lindsay Kirschman from the University of Utah. Joining us now on the third and 30 podcast, we are so excited to have Coach Lindsey Kirschman, the Director of Sports for Performance for the number 11 ranked University of Utah women's basketball team. Uh, Coach Lindsey, thank you so much for joining us. It's it's uh, It's been too long since we've chatted in, in general. I was saying in our pre-show how more than a coach and a colleague, you're a friend of ours. But thank you so much for taking. I know it's the middle of basketball season. You guys are 12-0, and 0, but thanks so much for taking some time and joining us on the show. Heck yeah, I'm proud to be here. I'm excited to chat with you guys and, and catch up for sure. It's, uh, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on is is your your obvious obvious show of dedication and and hard work and grit to get where you are today. And I wanted you, I wanted to start off, you know, I could go off and talk about your career and then look it up and do that. But um, for our listeners, I'm sure they'd love to hear it from you and kind of walk us through your career slash, you know, coaching path that led you to the University of Utah? Sure. Um, I think I have a very non-traditional path. And so I think sometimes people are surprised um, when I tell them, you know, hey, I was a forestry major. Um, I started off in, I did not know that. <laughs> in the science lab. And, you know, I, I ran track and field for the University of Washington and I was enamored by big trees. And so I, I studied big trees for my undergraduate career. And then I actually decided to go into range science for grad school. So I moved to North Dakota and I was out on the grasslands setting, setting fires to invasive species and, and learning about that. And 
but what was interesting is I um, found myself sneaking away from my lab every day to go volunteer coach at a high school. And eventually I just kind of knocked myself on the head and was like, you know, why are you sneaking around to do something you could just do for a living because you love it? It's not something that you think you should do. It's something that you need to do because it fuels you. And it's what you choose to do in your spare time, whether or not someone pays you to do it. And, and so I stopped my program at North Dakota State and I moved to Colorado and got my master's in education so that I could teach and coach at Poudre High School. And that's what I did for eight years, actually, um, you know, before I moved away from Colorado. Yeah, go Poudre. <laughs> so I think that was huge for me to be able to realize what I was truly passionate about. And it's not not so much a, a career. It's more of a calling and a conviction for me. And I followed that initially when, um, when I moved from North Dakota to Colorado, but that kept happening throughout my career. Um, so I read this book recently, it's by Bob Goff and it's called dream big. And he tells a story about when he was in Africa volunteering and, and helping build, I think a school at a, um, kind of a refugee camp and all of the little kids when he left were chasing after his Jeep, um, been waving, you know? And so Bob, you know, got, had gotten to know all these kids was waving at them and they kept waving and running and they just, it was amazing. They just kept running and chasing his Jeep and, and he turned to his interpreter and he's like, Hey, when are these kids going to stop chasing us? And the interpreter looked at him like he was stupid. And he was just like, Bob, you know, in Africa, a wave doesn't mean goodbye. It means follow me. And so Bob's waving to these kids and he thinks he's saying goodbye, but really he's saying, follow me. And his point to that was that so often we merely wave at something that we're being invited to follow. And, you know, we do that for a long time. We watch opportunities come and go because we're too afraid to take them or we don't think we have what it takes to take them or we think, who am I to step into this role? I don't have enough experience or I don't have enough notoriety or, you know, I don't have the right people on my resume or whatever. Um, and so it, at Pooter, I had to, I had to come to a point where I was going to decide to not merely wave at this opportunity, but to chase it, to, to follow it. Right. And so I um, had been dreaming of coaching at the college level for quite some time. I felt like I had kind of reached my capacity in terms of the impact I was able to make at, at the level I was at. And I wanted to do more. Um, I wanted to make that my full-time job. And it's really hard to do that at the high school level. You know, sure. I would coach in the mornings and then teach all day and then coach in the evenings and get home every day. Um, and I just, I wanted to be able to do that full-time. So I started applying, put the feelers out there. And when the opportunity at Arkansas popped up, jumped on it, took a huge pay cut, about 50% actually. Wow to be able to go do that. And that was scary. But again, I was chasing my Jeep, right? I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I was willing to make that sacrifice, even though I wasn't really sure where it was going to end up. Um, and, and my end goal was to be able to coach at a higher level, right? Like PAC 12, I, I competed in the PAC 12. So I, I thought it'd be great to coach at the PAC 12 level. Mm -hmm. I thought it would be a few years down the road. Um, cause my resume said forestry major, 
and high school teacher. <laughs> it didn't really say you've coached at Texas A&M. And, you know, <laughs> most people in my position have done their, you know, undergraduate and exercise phys. And then they had a graduate program where they had a, right. they were a GA and then they were an intern and mm-hmm. I didn't have that. Um, so I did have some of those moments of like, who do you think you are, Lynn? like, no one's going to, no one's going to pick you up, you know? Right. <laughs> um, but I think one thing it, that I did well at Arkansas was maintain connections that I had made with other coaches in the country and intentionally kept in contact with them and wasn't always just asking them for something, but was just kind of reaching out and, and genuinely wanting to know how they were doing and, you know, being, being a friend and being a, a peer and learning from them. Um, and also I just kind of sucked all I could out of my experience everywhere I was. So I learned a lot at Poudre High School. I feel like I grew a lot as a person and as a coach there. And same thing in Arkansas. I was only there for a year and it wasn't where I wanted to end up, but I really took advantage of where I was and just kind of made the most of it and made great relationships there. And again, I got to, I got to work with football. I got to work with basketball, softball, soccer, track, cross country, like everything. So I got a, a great experience there. I loved it. Um, you know, wasn't unhappy anywhere I ever was. So I, I think I'm lucky in that sense. And then um, time came to, I, I didn't even, I thought I was going to be at Arkansas for another year, but, um, one of my mentors in the field, Andrea Hootie, she was the strength coach for the men's basketball team at Kansas for a long time, obviously very successful program <laughs> as a female. She's kind of an icon of strength and conditioning. Um, not even as a female, just as a strength and conditioning coach, she's amazing. And I had gone to her conference a couple of times and gotten to know her, kept in contact, um, I had reached out to her and she invited me to come. She's now at UConn working with UConn basketball, another extremely successful program. Um, she invited me to come visit and you just don't say no to that. That was another, <laughs> right. Waving at me. And I had to choose to wave back or to chase it down. And I had to call my mom <laughs> as an adult and ask for help for the plane ticket because I couldn't afford it. I had just taken this 50% pay cut. I had no money, but Andrea Hootie invited me to come visit and I'm not going to say no. So I flew to Connecticut and watched her sessions working with the basketball team there, you know, asked a lot of questions and just kind of absorbed what I could. And while I was there fortuitously, Lynn Roberts, the head coach of the Utah women's basketball team called her friend, Andrea Hootie, the strength coach, for UConn and said, Hey, I need a strength coach. I'm looking, do you know anybody <laughs> a good fit? Wow. And I really standing in her office. Wow. And so Andrew was like, uh, yep, I've got your girl. Um, and so literally wow. a couple days later, I got a, I got a super fast conversation on the phone. I got grilled by the by the athletic trainer and the director of sports performance at Utah. And I got the job offer and a week later moved to Utah, moved to Salt Lake city. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, that so, so wow. I love that story for multiple reasons. The first thing I want to harp on though, we always preach on this show when opportunity presents itself, it's too late to prepare. Yeah. You are the epitome of that. You're literally <laughs> sitting in the person's office. Hey, let me pepper you with a couple questions here. There's no time to think. You have to know your crap. Yeah, wow. you do. 
That is fantastic. I love it. That's the epitome of what we talk about all the time. (laughs) Pretty crazy story, but I feel very blessed. So that is truly awesome. And, you know, one of the, one of the other things that just jumps out at me with that is talk about taking a chance when you, when you leave somewhere, take a 50% pay cut, because I mean, I, I know se- myself as well as several friends have been in that potential situation and just not had the guts to pull the trigger and say, oh, let me go to the college rank. Let me make nothing for a year and hope that I get somewhere. That's awesome. You had the guts. You bet on yourself and you won. Yeah. I mean, granted, I, you know, you kind of have to weigh it out too. I was in a good position. I'm single and, you know, I don't have a family that I'm supporting. So I get some people don't have the luxury of that, but I do believe this quote that the caves you fear to enter contain the treasure that you seek. And so often we just are too afraid to enter the cave. And so we're never going to get the treasure. And so I do, um, I do believe that and try to live by that. That's so cool. That's amazing. You know, I mean, you got to get, you got to get comfortable with being, with being uncomfortable. And I mean, I that's just, another one. <laughs> and, and, you know, I just, I, I admire that because, you know, I, 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 I refuse to not, I refuse to not be happy in what I'm doing either. And I'm, and I feel the same way. And so you take chances and you take, make some sacrifices and, you know, you take a chance and, you know, do you really know what's going to happen? I, you know, you, maybe, but you know, you, you are taking a chance and you put your head down, you work and you, you know, you do, you have to deal with some, some harsh times, but you know, there's always, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel and all those, all those cliche they, statements that people make fun of. I just think they're like the best statements <laughs> that to follow sometimes, yeah, you know, they're like <laughs> they're all true, right? You think about it, I mean, like, yeah, that actually makes perfect sense. So, I mean, what a, yeah. what a crazy story. You know, I, I, I mean, we haven't spoken since you, since you left Pooter for, for Arkansas and, and I mean, why I, I noticed, you know, obviously you were at Arkansas and the next thing, you know, boom, she's, she's at Utah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was always curious about that transition happened and man, that, what a, what an amazing <laughs> story. How crazy you're standing there in the room and there's an yeah. enormous opportunity right there in front of you. That's, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. And, and to, and to our audience here, we know you and didn't even know that story. <laughs> I just, I that's was, how fast, that's how fast things move. Yeah. We were on Instagram. Fast. We were on Instagram one day and I was like, what? She's in Utah. <laughs> I was like, when the heck that happened? I started flipping through stuff and I'm like, I see nothing. All of a sudden she's in Utah. You know, yeah, that's kind of how I felt too. Yeah. (laughs) You know, in our in our pre-show, which once this gets released, you'll hear our pre-show, we were kind of reiterating third and thirty and and how we came up with that name and what it means. And third and thirty, as you know, in football, that is having your back against the wall. Third and thirty games on the line. I don't have many plays in the playbook to pick up 30 yards. You got like a fade route, post route. You hope something happens, maybe a screen to pick up half the yards. <laughs> so, so one of the things we really talk about is, is that feeling of having your back against the wall, whether it's at work, whether it's in training, whether it's in the, your leadership role, whether it's in life, having your back mm-hmm. against the wall, you got, you got two downs to get out of this. You got third and fourth down to get out of it with your back against the wall. And what I would love for you to do with us is to go back to uh, kind of a difficult time, whether it's in your life or your career, where you felt like you were backed up against the wall and in that third and 30 situation and what you did to overcome it and get back on track and be who you are. Yeah, that's a great, a great question. Um, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is just 
bare minimum, you're never stuck. Like, I think people think they're stuck, but really what's going on is they're frozen and they're frozen because they're afraid. Mm. And really fear is based in a lie. And so often we choose to believe lies and ignore truths. And we spend a lot of energy on that. And that's what keeps us stuck, quote unquote, but it's based on something that we're choosing to do. And so to kind of backtrack away from that, you kind of have to figure out what you're afraid of, why you're afraid of it, and then figure out what lie you've been believing and then replace it with the truth. So a really simple example from my career, right, was that I majored in forestry. I'm afraid that people are going to laugh at me when they see that I'm applying to be the strength and conditioning coach of a, you know, Pac-12 basketball team. And that I'm going to look like an idiot when I get there because I don't have an exercise physiology background. And I have myself with a lot of things that I know. And a lot of my experience is based on experience and not the classroom, right? So I could have kept believing the lie that I was inept or I was incapable or I wasn't going to make it. And I was just going to be stuck in this position that I didn't want to stay in um, because of that. But what I had to do is figure out um, again, that that was in my head, right? That I'm afraid that I'm not going to be good enough. Figure out where that fear came from. Oh, my, my resume doesn't look like everybody else's. Identify the lie I was believing that, you know, I wasn't good because I'm different and then replace that lie with the truth. Actually, my different resume make is a huge asset for me. I'm a completely different coach than most people who go through the traditional path. I've taught high school kids for almost a decade. How (laughs) better way do you learn access the teenage brain and motivate a, a person than to work with a high school kid? I mean, there's no harder job than that. Amen to that. Um, And so that's, and coaching is leadership at the end of the day, you know? And so if you can lead a ragtag group of unruly high school football players as a female, especially, then you're, you're going to be really well equipped to, to lead any group of people. Right. Mm -hmm. And the other stuff you can learn along the way, because another truth that I was ignoring is that I'm freaking smart and I can learn things that I don't know, you know, and I have the motivation to do that. And, um, and so that's just an example of, you know, Hey, you're never stuck. You might be afraid. And so you're frozen, but you got to kind of backtrack out of that and replace those lies with truths. I, I love that walk because, you know, John Gordon, he he's written a lot of books. Um, his big thing is, you know, you there, there's the, the two F's that you, you can choose and that's fear and faith and both believe in a, mm-hmm. both believe in something that has yet to happen. Yeah, I love that. You know, so would you rather have the faith in the future or fear from the past? Right. So I really like where you are with that. And, you know, we, I'm going to say we bring a very unbiased um, perspective to the table with you because we got to, we got to know you and learn about you through sports. So it's not like, it's, it's not like we knew you, then you jumped into the sports realm and we're very biased yeah. and say, oh no, coach Lindsay's awesome because we knew her. No, <laughs> we, I literally <laughs> met you for the first time in the weight room. Yeah. Training, training <laughs> yeah, the football true. players, literally. Yeah. And I, and I walked in with my two kids, my kids were 10 and 12 at the time. 
<laughs> and, and, you know, what I want to harp on there is the difference that you bring to the table, because for my son and my daughter, both equally, it was a huge deal for them to see a female training the football team. That's cool. It opened my daughter's eyes to it's okay. If I lift weights, it's okay. If I look different than all the other girls, yeah. it's okay for me to be an athlete and be a girl. So that really opened up her eyes that it's okay. And, awesome. you know, for my son, total different, total respect. It's a total yeah. respect that, you know, something she's awesome. She's making me better. And to all those student athletes that you trained, they had that same respect. And that's the part that I loved the most is because we're trying to, we're trying to create winners for life with, and of course I, I'm speaking to football in this particular case, we were, right. we were trying to build winners for life. And it's also about respecting people and mm-hmm. lifting those around us. And, and that's what you were able to do for them and teach them about their future too. And they're going to be, they're going to be better men because of it. And mm-hmm. I'm grateful to you for those lessons, let alone you made them beasts in the weight room. <laughs> no I kidding. Actually, and, and for those that don't know this, I was actually at one of Pooter's rivals for a couple of years. So I was at a different school and man, they just out physical us every time we played. I said, forget this, man. I'm, I'm crossing, crossing I'm jumping the, uh, what, what, what street did I cross? Was it, was it a uh, harmony? I crossed, yeah, harmony. You crossed harmony. I went north of harmony and said, forget this coach Lindsay. I'm in, let's go. So no, you, you, um, you, you and I see it now. Cause I see the stuff you post. Now I watch the videos. I see the training you're helping those female student athletes become winners for life. And as a byproduct, they're becoming winners on the court. And that's for sure. (laughs) And that that's a big deal. So coach P I'm going to get off my tangent. Now I'm going to turn it back, (laughs) turn it back over to you because I could praise, (laughs) I could praise coach Lindsay all day. I mean, I could, I could too. And when, you know, you mentioned student athletes, I wanted to add to that. I think coaches, you know, have a certain, you know, are learn something from being around. I know I did, you know, as a mm-hmm. new coach, as a young coach, uh, as a man, I'm, I'm sitting there and I was, I was not surprised, but just impressed. I was like, this is, this is incredible. And just the reaction from the, from the kids and how much they responded. And I was like, none of us know squat. Lindsay knows everything. Like, let's just follow <laughs> Lindsay. Lindsay's none boss. of us, none of us guys who work out, whatever we do know anything. Like, Lindsay knows what she's doing and, and just your passion and care for the kids. Yeah. You know, you could really sense that. And that was something that really still with me, you know, we all, you know, you're someone I look up to Lindsay, whether you believe it or not. And you know, there's this countless of, of athletes that look up to you as well. I want to ask you, and you alluded to one possibly that you would mention uh, in Andrea Hootie, but I wanted to ask you who, who's someone you look up to and, and who's someone that's in, inspiration to you maybe it's multiple people but who's definitely someone that's that's someone you look up to on on a regular basis well, i think it's important you know if you want to be inspiring to someone you have to personally be inspired yourself and so i think it's important to keep your mentors close and um i don't even remember where i read this but it was just a little nugget that i've really been thinking a lot about and being intentional about thinking about um doing but be impressed by others, like make that a habit to be impressed by others. And I think that served me really well because it keeps you humble um, for one thing. And people have a better tendency of respecting you. If you're humble about what you do, you're more trustworthy that way. Um, And, and 
I think for the people that I lead, so right now I'm leading athletes. So I need to be impressed by them too. I don't need to always be the coach that's, you know, yelling at them or correcting them. But um, I also need to take the time to be genuinely impressed by them on and off the basketball court um, or the football field or whatever it is. So that's something I try to do a lot is look up to the athletes that I'm coaching and let them know why. And it's based in their character and not in their performance. So for example, I have one athlete, Alyssa Peely. She has just broken the thousand point career goal. Um, she's a huge help. And the, and the reason why we are ranked as high as we are right now, um, you know, she had 14 state championships coming out of her high school career. Wow. Yeah. She is an athlete, right? She is a yeah. to be reckoned with extremely fun to watch on the basketball court. But what fewer people realize is she's an amazing family member. She cares deeply about her family. She cares deeply about her family on the court too. So she's a great teammate. So she's a great leader. And that just expands her impact way beyond what she could if she were just a good basketball player. Because her teammates trust her and they love her. Um, And that's huge. So I, I like to tell her that when I notice that, you know, and be genuinely impressed by that. In terms of other people, um, you know, people that you work with, be impressed by them too. Don't be the one that's always like unhappy with your administration. Like find something that you are happy about, right? So our head coach, Lynn Roberts, I pay attention to what she says in the locker room. Pay attention to what she says in team meetings and in scout scouting meetings. Um, And I'm genuinely impressed and look up to her leadership style. She's a good teacher. She's not just a coach. She's a teacher. And she helps our team understand why um, we have rules like, hey, don't shoot in the paint unless you're under the hoop. Well, why do we have that rule? We'll look at our shooting percentages when we're shooting in mid-range shots versus three-point versus right under the basket. Why would we shoot those shots? We have terrible percentage there. (laughs) You know, like we, she just does a lot of teaching and I'm learning from her and also just being impressed at her leadership. Um, really bringing the team together, valuing things like having fun and, um, you know, understanding the the process over just the product. So I, I respect that. Mentioned Andrea Hootie um, as being a mentor too. So that is definitely the case. Um, and something she talks a lot about is not being concerned about being good for a female, but just being good. Like let your reputation for itself doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man as a strength coach, even if there's only 13% of strength coaches are women, be a good strength coach. That's all you need to worry about. And I started that. She inspired me with that and challenged me with that at Pooter high school. Cause I think when I first got to Pooter and first started coaching football, I had a chip on my shoulder and I felt like I needed to prove myself all the time. And, Oh, they just don't trust me because I'm a woman. It's like, no, they don't trust you. Cause you're not, you don't haven't proven yourself trustworthy <laughs> Right. And so I had to get rid of that chip and just focus on being a good coach and adding value and providing a service. And eventually I didn't need to prove myself anymore. Um, so that's huge. Um, yeah, I think anybody who makes people feel valuable and is good at that, good at listening and making you feel like you're important. I look up to those people a lot. That's awesome. A lot of good stories there. A lot of good people. (laughs) Lindsay's awesome. She's <laughs> killing it. Oh my gosh. I'm just, this is great. 
I'm having a great time. <laughs> Lindsay, you're amazing. You guys are funny. <laughs> never, never ending depth to the conversation. I love it. I love no. it. <laughs> because, you know, that's, that's what it's about. It's, you know, we want people to listen to this and learn and grow and think outside the box. And also, you know, as you were even just going through that, I was thinking about how I conduct a meeting at work and the things I'm going through and how, how am I teaching people? And, you know, this last month I've been evaluating getting into the new year. How can I get really good and make some improvements at teaching people in a different way and challenging yeah. us as a workforce in a different way. So this is the, I'm learning right now and I, and I'm just supposed to be talking with you and asking questions and I'm, I'm too busy learning right now. Um, are you ready for a challenge? Uh-oh. I'm always ready for a oh, challenge. Let's go. Yes. All right. I challenge you and everyone listening. Um, I was challenged by this, by one of my mentors, um, Jeremy Boone. Uh, he asked me to ask the people that I lead. So in my case, it would be the athletes that I'm leading. But I think you could also ask your kids or you could ask your wife um, or you could ask, you know, your coworkers the question, what do you need more of from me? And be prepared to hear the answer and then not be defensive about it. Just do something about it. And it's really interesting what you'll find out. Um, when you ask that question. So I challenge you to ask that question to somebody that makes sense in your sphere of influence. What do you need more of from me? And then just shut up and listen. And you'll learn a lot that way. I, I love it. I think we're gonna have to post that. Can we call it the, it, you said the, the person's last name was Boone? Jeremy Boone, yeah. Jeremy Boone. This might be the hashtag Weird. Boone challenge. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> I like it. We're gonna make this go, go launch on social media. I dig it. <laughs> We're bringing it. Um, no, this is awesome. So many, so many valuable pieces here. And one of the things that I really want to dive into with you and learn more about from your perspective and, and a multitude uh, of levels here of your perspective as a coach, as a leader, as someone who is also led by another female coach who coaches females. I can't wait to hear your perspective. For me, I started paying a lot of attention to this probably five, six years ago as my daughter got a little bit older yeah. and started and started really getting into basketball and track. So for me, it's really important to learn more about this, as we all should, is uh, I want to talk about the role of women in sports and how it has grown over the last several years, but also dive into where do you see there being more room for growth and what changes still need to be made to provide better equity with men's sports? That's a great and important question. Um, you know, 50% of our athletes are women. So <laughs> there's a big percentage of our population that we're talking about. And like you, like you both kind of brought up earlier, it doesn't just impact women. It impacts the men in our lives too, you know, mm -hmm. and we view each other and the relationships we have with each other. Um, and, you know, we're coworkers, together. And it's not like we live in a life where it's just all men and then all women. Um, so it's really important, I think. And like I said, <clears throat> in terms of strength and conditioning, I forgot the exact percentage, but it's really small. It's under 20% of strength and conditioning professionals are women. Wow. I mean, that's very small wow. and we've grown a lot, right? Like it's, it's expanding, but, but it's still really rare, especially for a male dominated sport. Right. And, and people used to say, well, you know, how can you coach football players? You've never played football. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not teaching them how to play football. I'm, I'm teaching them how to lift weights for football. And I am good at that. And I have done that. 
Um, so I think it is important for women to see themselves in a position that they maybe want to do someday, like your daughter coming into the weight room, seeing me, this strong woman, um, leading a group of football players and teaching them something about lifting weights, which society will tell you the role should be reversed and, and the man should tell me how to lift weights. Right? <laughs> um, so just being able to see themselves in a position like that is really important. I've had the, the benefit of seeing really great women like Andrea Hootie, um, Molly Benetti at South Carolina is doing great things and, and being a game changer in the field. Um, so I, I've been able to see that happen. Um, but more of that, we need more of that. I tell, I had a, a young woman, she's on the basketball team at Iowa, Iowa state. And she reached out to me because of something she saw on Instagram. She's like, Hey, I'm interested in being a strength coach. Like, can oh, I talk? Wow. And it's, I always tell people like that, like we need more strong women in the weight room. Like, please let's go. It's like, <laughs> let's help each other do this. Um, and it also takes administration, hiring females and not being afraid to, it takes male coaches, like the ones that I was able to work with at Poudre high school to, to give me a chance to get to know me, to work with me, to teach me. Right. And to, to let me have a shot at leading their team. Um, and so I've been lucky that I've had those chances and, you know, obviously it took work to be able to, to be able to show that I could provide some value there. Um, but it, but it takes a group effort for sure. It takes some, some willingness to step outside a comfort zone and give somebody a chance and also support people. You know, um, I, like I said, I'm always game to talk to women who are interested in this profession and any profession. And you want to be a, a game changer, shatter glass ceilings and go after it. Like, I don't care if, if it's conditioning or anything else, like I'm all about it. And I think it's necessary for sure. That's amazing. I love it. And, uh, you know, I wanted to dive in. I saw something before we brought you on. And I was just reading your your bio and I caught, saw something that caught my eye and it had to do with mental health. And it was when you were at Central Arkansas, it's that you, you know, collaborated with them and, and worked with mental health. And and I want to just kind of ask you what, you know, what you what what was kind of your goal in, in that and kind of what your findings were, you know, and, and what mental health me, means to you. Yeah. Um, well, for me as an athlete, I think I struggled for a long time. A lot of athletes probably have the same struggle of thinking that who you are as a human being is wrapped up in your performance as an athlete, because I mean, all we ever do, especially elite athletes, they've spent their whole lives devoted to a sport and being good at that sport. So it's hard not to feel like your whole value as a person is wrapped up in that. Um, so for me, my approach to mental health for athletes was getting to unravel that a little bit and help them see and give them opportunities to, sh to show themselves that there's so much value to them completely unrelated to their performance as an athlete. And when you can actually realize that and believe it turns out this huge burden comes off your back and you perform better as an athlete, right? And you have a lot more fun and you're a better teammate and you know, you're a better, um, just human because you don't have this feeling like you have to grip onto something so tightly. If you can hold your athletic performance with an open hand, um, then you're a lot freer to experience the, the joys of being an athlete. I thought of it as like 
you know, holding on to falling off a boat and grabbing on to what you thought was the lifeline that was going to keep you floating. And turns out it's the anchor, but you refuse to let go of it because you <laughs> think the life jacket or whatever. And so you're just drowning. And if you would just let go, you would bubble up to the surface and be fine. And I think that's what athletes do. You know, they grip on so tightly to this thing called excellence or D one scholarship or mm. you know, division one, blah, 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 or pro football player. And they just grip on so tightly that they lose the joy that they had for the sport. They start performing poorly. They don't recover very well. Um, they're not coachable anymore. And, and, you know, they just snuff the life out of what they had, had been good at before. Um, and if they would just kind of loosen up their grip and just realize how much they love the sport and that their value as a human isn't wrapped up in their performance, then they probably would perform a lot better, bubble up to the surface, take a deep breath and love what they do. So that's kind of why I wanted to focus on that um, for athletes is to help them have a better experience, but also perform better too. Um, so it's kind of a mix of mental health and sports psychology. And we're lucky enough at the University of Utah to have a sports psychologist on staff, and he does a great job leading team talks and events um, that we do together to help us grow closer as a team and be a little bit more open with each other and know each other at a deeper level. And then I tried to do that at the University of Central Arkansas by joining forces with their psychology department and kind of being the liaison between psychology in an academic sense and athletics, because I you know, how to hand in all the sports teams. So it was, it was an honor and it was a lot of fun. And I think it's really valuable. I'm so glad you detailed exactly what, you know, athletes are going through. Cause it's so easy to just be like, Oh, they're just going through schoolwork and playing practice and that, and it goes so much deeper than that. And so uh, I'm so glad you dove into that for our listeners. Um, last thing I wanted to ask you and this, and you kind of already alluded to this, Lindsay, it, with, with um, athletes coming to you and talking about uh, wanting to be in this profession. And I want to ask you, you know, what, what, what is, what is, you know, your advice you would offer a young person wanting to get into a, a sports performance career, you know, what, and, and with you with a non-traditional pathway, mm -hmm. I'm very curious to see what, what your, what your advice uh, would, would be. Yeah. Um, I'd say um, overarching theme would be a, be a learner, be a learn it all and not a know it all. Like, don't walk into a place thinking that you have to appear as if you know everything because you don't. I don't. <laughs> My mentors don't. You know, none of us do. And we're learning every day. And if you're not, you're not very good at your job. So um, have that perspective and don't have the expectation that you need to know everything. Um, please don't pretend that you do because that will be a giant turnoff right away. <laughs> um, but other than that, I think there, I mean, you guys both know this coaching is not a glamorous life most of the time, and you are not rewarded for your efforts. Most of the time, you don't get recognition when your team wins, especially as a strength coach, like you will get blamed for sure. If your team isn't doing well, <laughs> but if your team wins, it's not like your name's in the paper, you know? Right. So it's not like this big glorious thing. And there's going to be days when it's just kind of grinding it out and taking some hits. And so you really have to have the perspective as a coach, as a leader, that every day needs to just be an opportunity for growth and change, an opportunity for growth and change. And that growth and change might be in me 
when I have to get yelled at by a head coach and figure out how to communicate better and gather up my pride and try again the next day. Maybe that's me that's going through the growth and change. Maybe it's me having the courage to say something that needs to be said to an athlete that's hard to talk to. You know, it, it doesn't matter what it is, but it's just the perspective. Like, hey, today I might take seven more hits than I'm prepared to take, but it's going to be an opportunity for growth and change every single day. And, you know, that's exciting. That's really exciting. And, and I try to have that perspective, especially making a huge jump from high school to mid-major D1 to Pac-12. I mean, there's going to be some hits. I'm going to not know some things that I feel like I should probably have known. And I have to be able to just say, well, I grew a lot today and I learned a lot today and tomorrow's going to be better, you know, and do that daily. So I think having that perspective is, is really important. And then also being follow worthy. Um, think about the people in your life that you trust that you would follow through the darkest forest because you trust them and you know that they're going to lead you there safely, emulate those people, find out what it is about, about that kind of person that is effective, and then make sure that you emulate that. Um, you know, I think for me, it's being genuine and believing with every fiber in my being in my athletes and they see that in my eyes. And so they trust me and they'll do what I ask them to do. Um, and so I think it's going to be a little bit different from every, for everyone, but I think that would be my, those would be my biggest pieces of advice. Learn constantly, crave learning and growth, seek after it all the time, every day, never be satisfied with what you know. Um, and then, you know, believe in the, in the people that you're working with and let them know that. And then for sure view every, every day as an opportunity for growth and don't waste any moments wherever you are, even if it's not where you want to ultimately end up. Coach, that was awesome. I love it. it. (laughs) You know, and even in our pre-show and I swear to the audience right now, we recorded the pre-show before we did this interview. (laughs) (laughs) I swear. And and I could support what you already said. (laughs) And, and, and coach Lindsay was not on the pre-show with us. No. I, did, I did not, I did not bring her onto the screen, but now I'm really excited to listen to the pre-show. <laughs> I, I, I swear. I think that you were secretly in the computer listening was, yeah. to us. <laughs> and you know, I, there's only one quick piece I want to highlight from what you just said, because it was so meaningful to me as a leader is being able to grow and change and having that perspective of sometimes just looking inside and doing it different, or I got to be a better communicator, or I got to do this better because we, what we talked about in the pre-show, <clears throat> if you're still doing the same, the same, or if you're still doing things the same way you were pre COVID you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you're wrong. You've been living under a rock for the last two and a half years yeah. because we've all had to get more creative with how we communicate, with how we lead, with how we build morale in people. And the final point I want to make is, and I don't, I I don't know if people truly understand how much this is of what you said is believing in people and instilling into them that you believe in them. 
Some people just think it's the cute Deion Sanders tagline when he went to Jackson State. I believe, I believe, I believe. Let's yeah. brand it on every darn piece of clothing we have. Well, you know, something someone had to believe. He <laughs> yeah. went he went in there just because just because some people don't like the circus that comes with him. The guy knows what he's talking about, whether you like him or don't like him. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. He builds he builds a winner everywhere. And he believed and he instilled belief. And yeah, it helps that everybody wants to jump on his bandwagon and be a part of it. So he brought sure. lots of dollars there to help do things that school couldn't before. You, myself, Coach P, walking into a weight room, walking onto a football field, walking onto a basketball court, we can do that same thing. It's just at a different level. We yeah, can do the exact absolutely. same thing because how many, how many, how many women are on your basketball team? Currently only 12. We'll okay. have in pretty soon. Yeah. 12. And then you're going to graduate how many this year? Hopefully none. Oh, wow. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we Whoa. have two that could be done, but they don't have to be done. So I'm hoping that they choose to stay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and you're 12 and 0 ranked 11th in the country. Right. Can we just repeat that again? 12 yeah. and 0. Utah Go. women's 11 basketball ranked in the is 12 and 0 ranked 11th in the country. And planning and hoping to not graduate anybody. <laughs> That's yeah. just pretty amazing. Wow. I wasn't hey, expecting PS, that. We have a game coming up in Boulder. So you guys should come to that. I will be there. Coach, coach Chaddock. I won't. We want to take I a know. flight. I will. I didn't know that. I'm going to look at that. I'm going to, I'll, I'll be there, Lindsay. So, I mean, that's, I'll put that's your name perfect. On the list. <laughs> yes. I, I might have to travel. <laughs> Come on. I, I might have to book it. Um, you know, so, so the big, the big thing though, is you instilling that belief that there's 12 women on that basketball court. There's probably three other coaches you're instilling the belief. Those coaches are instilling the belief. Those women are instilling belief in each other. And now those 12 are going to go impact at least one other person. So now you're talking about 24. Totally. Then those 12, then now you're talking, I can't do math quick. What's that? 36? It's a lot. <laughs> 36, 48. There we go. I'm a math major now. Um, you get my point though. Yeah. You're, you're impacting way more than just those 12, 12 women that are on the court. And that's, you know, we're, we're so proud of you. And it was great to sit here and, and get to catch up with you both on and off air proud of you and what you're doing out there and the impact that you're making in, in sports, in leadership and, and a major impact at a university. Well, thank you. I feel the same about you guys. I think these kinds of things are really important because when I talk about being a, a, a leader and being a learner, you know, these are the types of things that I seek out. I listen to podcasts. I ask questions. I go to podcasts listen to the podcast and then intentionally reach out to whoever the guest on the podcast was to ask some questions and make a connection. <laughs> These are really valuable tools that we really truly do use to get better at our craft. So I'm thankful mm -hmm. that you're doing it. I think it's great. And when we post this, we will at you on it. We'll tag you. So any, any student athletes that are out there that want to get into the sports performance world, you already know she's yeah. already, she's already listed a public invite to reach Public out advice, to her. always i will respond to you i promise i was going to say you don't find many people that genuinely are wanting to help you and we are speaking to one right now she is not <laughs> one that just wants to get it for the pub publicity she wants it because she cares about you so Absolutely. um you know it's a you know you use that as you wish but Lindsay, thank you so much we can't i mean we can't thank you enough as we kind of we re, we re revived re arrived this podcast you know we took some time off we 
we um you know it's definitely inspiring for us doing this uh as as hosts you know we want to share the information with everyone and and hope every listener is is getting as much out of it um as we'd like them to but you know for us it, it means so much to us for me i'm inspired i'm like i'm ready to run through a wall i want to go, <laughs> let's go with these things yeah but let's go like it's gonna let's stop <laughs> sitting down and let's go um and i just you know i really appreciate you you know uh sharing those experiences and and uh you know going to another level here and it's, i think it's really important and like like coach Chaddock said, I mean, we couldn't be happier and prouder to see where you are. And honestly, it's 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 super cool thinking about I think back about the, the weight room at Pooter and like all of us there and and just coaching up those kids. And it's <laughs> it's really cool to see. I was talking to a buddy recently, catching up with him. I hadn't talked to him in a while. And and it's just nice catching up with people and seeing them grow and seeing how different each one's path is, but we're all just trying to you know succeed and like you said change and grow every single day so yeah. Lindsay, thank you so much we appreciate it you know and kid good luck the rest of the season i i really hope i'll be seeing you in boulder here soon yeah um, seriously and come Get come watch ticket. the basketball team uh, absolutely and um, right. again thank you we, we we really appreciate it thank you guys